Thank you, Jen. I didn't go to the big box store recently, but I heard that people are making a run on supplies to prepare. So hopefully while we still can get some supplies, we can, we can go ahead and get what we need. And uh, yet we'll pray that the coronavirus will not come here and, and affect us. I can see that you folks were willing to take a risk that the person next to you here does not have the coronavirus. Because Jen had a hard time calling you folks back in to get together. So that's, that's a good sign. Our relationships are really uh, pretty strong, and uh, the risk has to be really strong in order for us to try to stay away from each other that way. We're going to be uh, continuing our series on the social covenant. Before we do that, let's review our acrostic faith, F-A-I-T-H. You folks remember what that is? What is F? What does F stand for? Faithful, that's right. How about A? Available. All right. You got young minds back there absorbing. Uh, F-A-I. What's I? In, in, uh, what was that? Tennis. Okay. That would be T. Uh, I initiative. That's right. T would be teachable and H is heart. That's right. Very good. And um, so last week we saw Genesis chapter 1, we really got into a little bit the, the triune God creating humanity and saying, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And he created male and female. And uh, can, so can we agree that the Trinity is fully invested in relationships? Can we agree to that, that the Trinity is really into relationships? How about Genesis 2? We saw the beautiful way God created life and how it's supposed to be. So God gave man to be fully invested in relationships. To be fully God is fully invested with man and with animals and animals with man and one another and all of these relationships going on. And Genesis chapter 3 was man's tragic disobedience to God. And that's what we call the fall. And yet immediately after the fall, we see God covering our shame. God continues to th show us, us His grace throughout the whole of the Bible, and that is what the theme of the Bible is. As our worship leader John said earlier, it's all about Jesus. I don't know if you said that, or I think you said that. One of the songs said that. Anyway, it is all about Jesus. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's critical because the world and its desires will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's Word will never pass away. Jesus echoes Genesis 2 and 3, God's drawing near to us and in the command John 13, 34, and 35, where Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. All men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So, we are a testament to Jesus, the authenticity of Jesus' love when we love one another. God Himself becomes our model. He becomes the very basis of our social covenant. And so, as we look at our social covenant, we are going to be... Uh, uh, my desire is that you will not just look at the covenant as a list of 
bullet list of things we ought to do, but it would direct your mind to say, how is God like this? And that's why we want to emanate God. Let's go to Him in prayer now. Our Father, thank You for interacting with the world, engaging the world. Lord, forgive us because we have fallen miserably in so many ways. And Lord, despite that You know all the ways that we've fallen, You gave us the most gracious of gifts, the gift of eternal life through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Paid our penalty, nailing our sins to the cross so that we can inherit eternal life with you. And Lord, you've given us the resurrection as proof positive so that we can live in the confidence of resurrection life here and now. So thank you, God. Today, Lord, help us as we get into your word, dive into your word, and pursue how we can live it out for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Where would we be without relationships? <clears throat> Here we are, and relationships are really the thing that we find the most value in. When you have a great family background, life's good. When our elementary school friends are friendly, life's good. And there's the wonderful saying that handles all, almost all of marriage, uh, marriage counseling, happy, happy wife, happy life. And so when you have a happy relationship, you have a happy life. But what if your family background is not so good? It makes life miserable. If, you're, if you, your, your uh, experience at school is terrible, it makes all of life miserable. It, relationships affect us. Relationships really are our highest value. When we think about a good work environment, for, for example, we think of people, how people interact. More than money, more than possessions. Of course, I did hear a guy... Uh, one time about a couple of years ago, who did want to marry his car. So, there, you know, there's always the exception. But in our, in, our <laughs> in our social covenant, we have two halves. We have um, the top half, if, if we could project that. We're going to probably be looking at, thinking about the social covenant as we go along. But we have the first half is about, is about fully investing in our relationships and that's about connecting to one another deeply. It's really about having a healthy body. The second half is about empowering relationships. How can we strengthen one another? How can we grow strong together? And so as we go through our social covenant, we're always looking at how each other are affected, how we're going to affect somebody else, how somebody else is going to affect us. So it's not so much about individual growth, but about growing together. So as we move through today's message, I'd like you to take a look and see if you can find connections between the biblical message to the social covenant, okay? You might want to do this. Some, you've done this before in little tests. You can draw lines and, well, this point here kind of re, uh, seems to refer to this, this uh, bullet line over here. You can do that if you want. If not, main thing is to be thinking about how this works. 
So today, let's see how we can fully invest in relationships. And so our goal here is to see how we can connect deeply and form a healthy body. We want to start here in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. The reason why the Apostle Paul put this in here is because it's not a natural thing for us, but it is an important thing for the body of Christ. So as we're looking at this the whole list, we're talking about getting rid of conceit, self-focus, self and being others-focused. That's what we're looking at today, okay? So the first thing we want to do as we fully invest in relationships is to know each other. So first, you see in your notes page, the first section there is, is to know each other. That's really about personal relationships. A lot of investing in relationships begin with simply hanging out and talking and eating. I remember a, a friend of mine a long time ago, my friends, my parents had this group called the Pro City Gang, also called the Chazuke Gang. That's, uh, they go out and eat together. And their kids would come and hang out together. I had I, uh, one of the kids of one of the um, other families. Uh, his name was Mark. I began doing all kinds of things with him, high school, co um, college, bowling, diving, and uh, got into trouble together, too. But that's the kind of thing. We just get to know each other. Now, for the Apostle Paul, this was similar as well. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, that they not only, he not only shared the gospel of God with them, but he shared their very lives because the Thessalonians had become so dear to him. The Thessalonians were not merely a target group. They became personally, um, they developed a personal love relationship with the Thessalonian church. Isn't that wonderful? International peace negotiator Dr. William Urey writes, and he does all kinds of high-level international peace negotiations, and I guess I just said that. Anyway, he says, if there is a conflict without knowing, if there's a conflict without knowing each other, it's very hard to make peace. We need them to understand each other, to humanize each other, and to listen to each other. Simon Sinek says something similar, and he talks about our own government. He's talking about if we don't have formal engagements between the two parties in our government, he said, all that's needed is for a few progress-minded members in one party to personally reach out to a few progress-minded members of the other party to meet for a drink or a bite with no agenda, a bite to eat with no agenda, just hang out with each other. He can see the importance of just that personal relationship. So an application for us would be hang out for lunch, take initiative to have lunch, and maybe not always at the same group. If you have the same, hang out lunch with the same group all the time, sometimes you can actually be kind of antagonistic toward that other group. What if you had lunch with a group that you normally don't have lunch with? Kind of, kind of uh, get out of your comfort zone. 
So does the Trinity need an agenda to meet? Does the Holy Spirit say, hey, you guys, Father, Son over there, yeah. if you have an agenda, let me know. Until then, I'll be over here. Nah, the Holy Spirit doesn't say that, right? So healthy relationships require us getting to know each other personally. Now, to fully invest in relationships, we also need to carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. This often begins with a statement, Hey, can I talk to you about something? Has anybody come up to you and said, Can I talk to you about something? Okay, you know already, that's going to be, you're going to go deeper than the average lunch conversation. Everyone has burdens that are just too heavy to bear now and then. Galatians 6.2 says to carry each other's burdens because in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus is carrying our burdens. So at any given time, a burden might be maybe a ministry task or a project. Maybe it's just overwhelming for you. Maybe loss of a loved one or physical ailment, a financial struggle, a relational conflict. And you just need to be there for your brother or your sister to carry that burden. And we can ask, can I help in some way? We can encourage, you can do this. You can get through this. God will... God will be, God is with you. He will see you through. We can pray for them. How can I pray for you? Oftentimes, people with burdens simply need a listening ear and somebody to know, to know that somebody is going to take their request before the Lord. Thirdly, to fully invest in relationships, we also need to, to have open hearts to each other. Open hearts to each other. What this means is to trust someone with your guarded thoughts and your feelings. All of us have certain areas in our lives that we guard, that we protect, that we're not sure if we were to let this person know that they will be faithful with this information. So it's thoughts like this, this person really hurt me and I'm becoming bitter. Or I have stage four cancer, I just heard about this. Opening hearts to one another is about transparency and sharing your heart and being vulnerable. As, as Joel spoke in his message, seekability, when you're actually going towards somebody, pursuing somebody, and allowing them to speak into your life. 2 Corinthians 6, 11 to 13, the Apostle Paul says, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. That opening of hearts helps us. It is one way we, we invest in relationships. When our elders prepare sermons, we often give a draft to the other person or some at least notes to one another and uh, to see if they have any thoughts. And uh, here's oftentimes a very common reply that we get from somebody. It goes like this. Here are my thoughts. Take what you can use. Discard the rest. I like this story. That's terrific. Such and such an illustration might be useful. And somebody would offer an illustration. This part in your sermon is confusing. I'm not able to follow this. And so we, 
we interact with one another that way. Opening up with one another does several things. First of all, it helps you improve. When you're teachable, you actually get better, become wiser. It keeps you humble. Opening up keeps you humble. It's a scary thing to open up to somebody. Sometimes you need to admit imperfections and weaknesses. When you put down your defenses, opening up to others requires that you put down your defenses. And when you do that, it keeps you teachable. And it also honors the other person. When you go to somebody and say, can, you, can I get your input on something? And you ask them for their input and you sit there and you wait. You're honoring them. You're saying, you're valuable. Your thought is valuable to me. And so it really honors them. Recently, I was working on a conference issue, and I didn't understand the, the thinking of this. So I said, I don't understand this. Can you help me to understand it? And after I say that, I listen. I stop and I listen. Hmm. Hmm. Then I say, so here's how I see it. Am I off in any way? And I stop and I listen. They're speaking at me. They're speaking into my life. I'm opening up my heart to them. So, finally, we want to fully invest in relationships by honoring each other. We, we honor each other. Romans 12.10, the Apostle Paul says to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. It's very similar to Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Don't think of only yourself, but others. But here, the Apostle Paul seems to go one step further. He says, honor one another above yourselves. So, leaders, you know that one of your responsibilities is to honor your people. When they serve, what you do is you, you say, thanks, good job, and you affirm what they've done. And... Uh, we think about the Heavenly Father. This is very much like the Heavenly Father who honored the Son when He proclaimed, This is my Son, whom I love. And of course, Jesus is there to glorify the Father, Holy Spirit to glorify Jesus and the Father. Peter says to husbands, Husbands, honor your wives as the weaker vessel. So in other words, husbands, use your strength to lift up your wife, not to put her down. And if you use your strength to put her down, your prayers are not going to be answered. That's how firmly Peter, how strongly he says about this. So team leaders, honoring, honoring means that you take the blame and you give away the credit. In the end, the book stops here. And when I look at everything that happens in the church, I say, I'm responsible. I will take the responsibility for these things. So, you know, leaders, your job is to build up people on your team. But you, you know that it works both ways. It works both ways. So, followers, it's your job to honor your leaders. Take a look at those verses right at the bottom. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says to honor your, recognize those people who work hard among you. Who are those people that are working hard among you? They're just really there and, and they grab the rope and they're pulling on the rope to to. Keep the church going. Philippians 2.29 says to honor men who risk and sacrifice for Christ's church. In this case, it was Epaphroditus, and he almost died. 
in, in serving the church. Philippians 3.17, Paul says to take note of those who live according to godly patterns. Take note of them. So, um, the right solution, the biblical solution is to honor everyone. Now, I want to uh, say this because I had a really hard time with this. Yes, I do struggle with a lot of scriptures in my head. I recently shared with the elders how much I want to honor people in the church, but everyone serves so selflessly that if I honor one person, somebody else is going to say, well, what about me? You know, they're going to think, what about me? Um, and that's not fair and everything like that. So just out of fear of that's going to happen, what if I miss somebody? Oh, that person's going to have resentment, and they're going to... They're going to say, yes, yeah, Stan, you recognize this person. You, you don't even notice what I'm doing. Ah, So the solution was, let's not honor anybody. A good look, Joyce. That's the right look. What kind of solution is that? That's an ungodly solution. That's what kind. So here's what the solution is. We honor everyone. That's our, that should be our goal. And we should, uh, I want to start a new practice actually at West Oahu. I want us to be people who honor those who are leaders. I want to be people who honor those who are followers. I want to honor those who serve. I want to honor those people who are weak. I want to honor people who honor, who, who, um, I want to honor the faithful. I want to honor all kinds of people individually and look to find who we can honor. Honor people above yourselves. So if we think, if we're sitting here thinking, oh, I'm not being honored, that person's being honored, that's wrong already. That's the wrong attitude already, because Paul says, honor somebody else above yourselves. So that's what we're after. So as we think and consider how to fully invest in relationships, consider these things to knowing each other. First of all, knowing each other, carrying each other's burdens, then opening hearts to each other, and finally honoring each other, and have that be the thing that drives us forward. And this is just the beginning of uh, this social covenant, and I hope that you're going to be able to find in Scripture, just God just really feeds your own heart here. Sorry, I forgot to call the band up, but maybe you can come up while I pray. <laughs> okay. I usually give you a, a heads up. I apologize for that. So think about this, though. As we are... As, as we are thinking about how do we invest in a relationship, what ways, which one of these are we, is God putting on our hearts? Are we spending time just chatting, knowing each other, hanging out? Are we offering ourselves to carry somebody else's burden? Now, we're, we're not the Savior, so we don't have to carry everybody's burden. We can never do that. God doesn't call us to do that. How about this? Are we opening our hearts to each other? Are we sharing? Do we have that person or a couple of people that we can share really deep stuff with? Our brokennesses, our hurts, our struggles, our stumbling blocks. And how can finally I honor you? Let's consider that as we really try to reinforce our social covenant. Father, Lord, you have really the social covenant built into you yourself. You don't need a list of rules because you already live it out. In fact, our desire is simply to emulate the Trinity. 
Father, we need your help. Thank you for your guidance and your wisdom through your word. Help us to be successful, Lord, as we move forward in becoming the kind of church you want us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.